0: Hey church family, if you got your Bibles, I hope you do. Uh, We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5. Actually, today and tomorrow we're going to talk about what do you do when the enemy comes against you. And a big part of the reason I want to talk about this is simply because uh, the enemy is going crazy right now (laughs) in our country. And, um, And also part of the reason I'm wearing this shirt is my man Cam Triggs, Grace Alive Church. One of the things that helps me uh, when new when national news comes out, like we're all, you know, experiencing right now, again, is is not to think nationally, but to just think about my friend. And so uh, when you see me with these shirts that I have on from other churches, it's just because that time I've just dedicated that every time I notice my shirt, I'm just going to pray for my friend that day. And, and, and so I hope you'll do something similar. Well... First Peter chapter 5 uh, talks to us about what we do <clears throat> in response to the enemy's attacks on us. And Peter gives us some very specific uh, tactical ways to stand firm against the enemy in his evil scheme. So 1 Peter chapter 5 starts out this way. So I exhort the elders among you. So <clears throat> the next section is for elders. So this isn't for you. There's only for like Seven of us right now at the Church of Eleven Twenty Two. However, the reason I think it's applicable for us is this: is that elders are supposed to be an example for the entire flock, and so we'll see this in a little while that um, though, though everyone may not be qualified or called to be an elder or anointed and appointed to be an elder, that's fine, but a part of what the entire congregation is supposed to do is to look at the life of elders and say, that's what maturity in Christ looks like. And so um, we should learn from elders and seek to walk in that kind of mature walk with Jesus. So I exhort the elders among you, <clears throat> as a fellow elder... And a witness of the sufferings of Christ, by the way, just notice right off the bat, he just says that um, to be a follower of Jesus, particularly to be called into the ministry, that suffering is coming. There's no promise of cotton candy and Cadillacs here. No no prosperity gospel here. It's just the true gospel, and the true gospel uh, has suffering as a key part of it. So as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, <clears throat> not domineering over those in your charge, but but being examples to the flock. See there it is. Now, in the Bible, the word shepherd and pastor are the same word, and um, there's one thing it says there, but we used to do this eagerly. And I just want to tell you, it is one of the great graces and pleasures in my life to get to be the lead pastor of the Church of 1122. And so what I'm trying to do in these devos, too, is to shepherd you, and sometimes that's comfort, and sometimes that's conviction. Now, I can't convict you, only the Holy Spirit can, and I can't comfort you, only the Holy Spirit can, but I'm hoping and praying that God would use uh, the way I'm leading us, like a shepherd would have a rod and a staff. One was to grab a sheep if they're going in the wrong direction and pull them back to safety, and one was to attack a wolf when it was trying to take them out. Verse four, and when the chief shepherd appears, by the way, this is why my title is not senior pastor, because a pretty good translation of chief shepherd is senior pastor, and there is only one senior pastor of the Church of 1122, and his name is Jesus. He is the chief shepherd. I am but an under-shepherd for a time. May God give me 25, 30, I don't know, until I'm Unable to preach and teach and lead anymore. But hopefully, what all the under shepherds at our church are doing, even though I'm the lead pastor, I am under the authority of the senior pastor, the chief shepherd. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, doesn't just mean in age, but like maybe in maturity, be subject to the elders. And now, now <clears throat> Peter is going to give some commands clothe yourselves all of you with humility towards one another for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble and what Peter's about to get into is this is that we have a spiritual enemy named the devil and he wants to kill steal and destroy everything good and godly in your life however if we don't first humble ourselves under God's mighty right hand we don't even have to worry about the devil taking us out but God himself opposes the proud So let us as a people be humble and nothing should be more humbling to us than the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I mean, the cross declares to every single one of us that we don't got this, that we cannot by works of the law make ourselves righteous, that we are sinners in the hands of an angry yet merciful God. And so we should be humble people. Now in verse six, what he's gonna do is Peter's gonna give us point by point what you do when you're being attacked by the enemy. Number one, he says this, <clears throat> humble yourself. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exhaust you, cast all, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Then he tells you why he's giving us these four ways, these, these four commands. Here's why. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So you and I have an enemy, a spiritual enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy everything good and godly in your life. Now, the, the enemy loves uh, two different views that we may have of him. One is he loves it when Christians get obsessed with him, and that's where some people live. They think there's a demon behind every bad hair day. He also loves it when Christians in 2020 and beyond, when we think we are so sophisticated that we don't even consider him anymore. And when we think that there, there is no demonic activity, and when we think that there is no spiritual warfare, and when we think that there really is no enemy, then he's got us right where, right where he wants us. And listen, if you don't think there is demonic activity, then you explain to me what's happening in our country right now. You think that's just a, a series of unfortunate events? You, you, you think that's just a few bad decisions by a few bad apples? No, 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 my friend. There is an enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, <coughs> seeking to devour you. So Peter says, so what do you do when the enemy's coming after you? And if you know Jesus, he's coming after you. I will tell you this, if you haven't noticed any kind of attack of the enemy lately, then you might want to check yourself. Maybe you're so apathetic in your faith that the enemy doesn't want to do anything to you to stir you up towards godliness. In fact, if you don't feel the, the current of this crooked and depraved culture that we live in pushing against you pretty hard, then it could be you're just going with the flow. And that that you act no different than the people that don't claim Jesus as their Lord. And you treat money the way they treat money, you treat sex the way they treat sex, you treat entertainment the way they treat entertainment. And and, and again, if he's not coming after you, you may, you may want to pay attention. And so <clears throat> he says that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to take you out. Well, how do you stand against him? First of all, if... If you knew that an actual lion was going to kill you, I want you to think about this. If somebody at work came to you and was like, hey, listen, Sarah, um, I've got bad news. There's a lion and he's in the parking lot and he is trying to eat you. Wouldn't everything about your life change? Like you would walk to your car differently. You wouldn't just like be back to your car when work was over, would you? You would get to the door and you would look and be like, anybody seen a lion out here? And you would not casually stroll to your car. You would sprint to your car and then you'd probably work from home forever, then forever and ever and ever. We should be this vigilant against this enemy that wants to take us out. Well, how? How do you fight against him? According to 1 Peter. Now, there's lots of places in the scripture that we see. We're gonna talk about a different one tomorrow. You can go to, You can go to Ephesians chapter 6 and look at the armor of God and how to stand firm against the enemy. But the way Peter says, Peter actually gives us five things, four explicitly and one implicitly. (laughs) Number one, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. You bend your knee to the cross of Jesus Christ. You understand that God's got this, that you on your own ain't got this. In other words, you on your own do not have power and dominion over your sin, but you do through Jesus Christ. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, you are more than a conqueror. And so the way you fight against him is not to stand up and beat your chest as if you can do this, but it's to humble your knee, to bend your knee through the gospel of Jesus at the cross and say, Jesus, I need your help. Humility is number one. Secondly is prayer. Prayer. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. See, one of the great ways <clears throat> one of the great ways it, that the enemy attacks us is with fear and anxiety. This is why the most commanded thing in all the scriptures is this, don't be afraid. In fact, in the book of Philippians, I quote this all the time. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. Are you anxious about something? Are you anxious about your job? Are you anxious about your health? Are you anxious about the situation that our nation is in? Are you anxious about racial tensions? Are you anxious about whatever, money? Paul goes, don't do that. And you think, how? If a lion is coming after me, I'm a bit anxious. He says, be anxious about nothing, but in prayer and supplication, Make your request known to God about everything. And the God of peace that transcends understanding will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's how Paul says it. Peter says, here's what you do. Cast your anxieties on him. Throw your cares. Our problem is too many times like you come to church, and at the end of the service, you come down to the altar and you cast your cares upon the altar. You cast your cares upon him. But we cast it. You see, when they casted it, they, they this means like throw it away. We cast it like a fishing rod. Like we throw it out there, but then we hang on to the other end. And then we would just reel our anxieties right back in. Listen, I would contend it's not actually prayer until you have transferred the anxiety or the worry over to God and away from you. Up to that point, it's just like, Informing God of what's happening in your life. So, with all your might and all your intensity, throw all of your fears and, and anxieties on Him and choose faith over fear. Number two, pray. Number three, be sober minded. This means that we are not to be ruled by our emotions. God gave us emotion to navigate this thing called life. See Ecclesiastes 3. Maybe one day we will walk through it. There's a whole list of different emotions there based on the circumstances that we find ourselves in, but we understand as believers that our circumstances circumstances are not in charge, that our sovereign Savior is in charge. So be sober-minded. In other words, guard your doctrine. Stay rooted in the Word of God. Don't be tossed around by every new opinion or... and and please, please, please don't trust everything you see on TV, and please don't trust everything that you see on the internet. Be sober-minded, and start right here with the Word of God. Don't be ruled by your emotions. Be rooted in the truth of God, and the truth will set you free, and then lastly, be watchful. Quit being so lazy in your faith, Get up every day and get on your knees and go to war in prayer for the souls of your one more, for reconciliation for your marriage, that your prodigal kids might come home, that this COVID virus would would cease, that our world could get back together. Quit being so lazy. You see, we we get lulled into this comfort comatose state as Christians in America. And the only time we get upset is when something happens to make us uncomfortable. Be watchful. That means stay awake. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Here's the implicit one, I think, is you better get in the herd. Talk about it all the time. If you watch the animal planet, the lion always picks off the one that is outside of the herd. Fellowship, biblical fellowship, and accountability is a a key way to resist the enemy. Who do you have in your life that's praying for you other than your mama? And you don't even tell her the truth, so she can't really pray. I mean, the prayers of moms are powerful for sure, but you telling her everything you're struggling with? I don't think so. You need a band of brothers, a band of sisters, that when you are limping and gimpy, and not doing so well emotionally or physically or financially or relationally or whatever, that you've got a herd that gets you into the middle of the herd to protect you in your weakest moments. Also, it's time for us, Church of 1122, to look around, man, look around. Do you see? Are you missing some people that used to be a part of your group? Now's a great time to reach out to them. If you scroll through somebody's Facebook and you just see them just regurgitating a whole bunch of pain. The thing is not to avoid them, to reach out to them and say, come on, come on. Come here, you can throw up on us, but do it from the middle of the herd because it is those people that are most susceptible to be picked off by the adversary. It says, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after... You have suffered a little while the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Your God, we know that we have an enemy, an adversary, but Lord, we know that um, that he has already been defeated that at the cross, when Jesus said, it is finished, it he put death in his grave. And so, Lord, it is like being at the end of a ball game where the score is out of reach and we are in victory formation, just, just ticking down the clock. Now, there for sure is a lot of work to be done between now and when you glorify yourself. But Lord, let us know that once and for all, the enemy has been defeated. Now, may we, Sons and daughters of the Most High King walk in that victory. God, I pray that we would be humble. I pray that we would cast our anxieties upon you. God, I pray that we would be sober-minded, that we would not be ruled by our emotions. God, I pray that we would watch out, we would not be lazy. And Lord, I pray that we would be connected into the body of Christ. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks.